with Jeff Fuller back with you, Jay Fuller Interviews, Jay Fuller Interviews on YouTube, the Facebook group, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, Jay Fuller Interviews, and join the Facebook group, Jay Fuller Interviews. Now also a podcast on all the platforms, also on Google Podcasts and iTunes as the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of Jay Fuller Interviews because a backfire is an intentionally set fire by forest firefighters to consume all the negativity and fuel that could fuel that flame. And so I think people's stories make our stories better, less ignorant and more impactful. So when negativity comes, that backfire has consumed the negativity from our own lives. Joining us now, we have a great story for you. This is Mark Pathfinder Epstein. Mark, how are you? Oh, doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having me on your Backfire podcast. Well, thank uh, it's you. It's an honor to be with you. You've got quite a following going. You've worked hard. Well, it's a lot of fun just learning from people. And uh, when I saw you on Facebook, I noticed that you were promoting a book that you just completed. So we'll start right there. They Call Me Pathfinder is the title. Talk to me about how you got that nickname. Yeah, you know, I, I got it in a roundabout way from helping my dad in our family sporting goods store. Um, he sold a lot of uh, outdoor camping equipment. And we had these sleeping bags that had different names on it for different brands. And one was a Pathfinder. And I was about 10, 11 years old. And he said to me, out of the blue, you know, you're as useless as my Pathfinder sleeping bags. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he says, well, I can't sell those. And I don't think anyone wants you either. And, you know, um, and of course we were laughing. And I went home that night with him and he said, ah, you're useless. You know, I'm not going to take you down and help me anymore. So, you know, of course we're laughing and chuckling. And the next morning he opens up the bedroom door and he starts yelling, hey, Pathfinder. Come on down. I'll give you another chance today. And it stuck. Oh, that's good. That's good. Now, where did you grow up? Worcester, Massachusetts. The and great city of Worcester, Mass. What was it like growing up in Worcester? Loved it. Um, it was great. It was um, a great community um, back then. I'm, I'm really proud of my um, Worcester heritage. Um, it had these neat neighborhoods by ethnicity. Um you know, I grew up in a early on in a Jewish community uh, on a hill called Vernon Hill, and everybody in about a five to ten year period moved over to the west side. Um, the Polish people lived in an area called the Island um, off of Green Street and uh, Milbury Street. Um, we had the Italians on Shrewsbury Street. And everyone looked out for each other. It was really awesome. The Irish were up on Vernon Hill with us. And, uh, and you know, everybody's families were immigrants down, you know, the line. And um, it was great. I, I loved it. Now, it you... was a great hotbed for basketball because of how close we were to the Celtics. And we were lucky to have two Celtic players living in Worcester throughout their entire careers, Bob Cousy and Tom Heinsohn, who had went to Holy Cross and never moved away. And they were instrumental of the Celtic dynasty. So for kids who like sports, we were in heaven. Close enough to get to Fenway Park, too. So we had the best of all worlds. I, I loved it. Now, did you but I loved Charleston. 
Did you grow up with any siblings? I had two. Uh, I had three siblings. I had two sisters, one older, one younger. I have a brother who just passed away the day I finished authoring this story. He had, he had cancer, and he, you know, he didn't last long with it. He had a horrible case of it, and um, you know, you bringing that up is a good time now to mention that this book. Um, has been dedicated to him, and I've been able, I shouldn't say I, that, that's not fair at all. The readers have been very generous and have contributed to where my daughter is the president of a foundation out in um, Lake Tahoe, and it's called the Gene Upshaw Cancer Center. And we've already raised about $2,000 towards um, cancer um, prevention and treatment. And um, it's one way to keep my brother's memory alive because he's a big part of the story that I wrote. Yeah, it's pretty special. And uh, thank you just for sharing that. When we look at writing a book, it's certainly a uh, task to undertake. Uh, when did you first start compiling letters, jots, notes that you thought, wow, maybe these stories could one day find itself into a book? I never did that. I never had to know. Hmm. It was all off of memory. Well, I didn't have anything to go back and look at. Um, I decided, I, you know, people that have known my story and my life and my friends, they, they knew I had a unique situation, but everybody does. Yeah. But, and I have to repeat that everyone does. I, I'm no different. Maybe my story was a little different because I had more drama, you know, self-created with immaturity. You know, maybe that, or maybe my basketball background um, got me to places that people like listening to and hearing about. Yeah, I, I could see that, but um, it's been a long time coming. Um, it was a traumatic situation on how I left Worcester to come to Charleston. On Christmas Day of '88, um, you, you won't see me smiling about that. Um, I had just divorced a second time. Um, I had two young daughters, two and five years old, and uh, I was suffering real bad. Um, there was a man living in my house with my ex-wife, and I wasn't even allowed to walk in the front door. And, uh, you know, I struggled with that, struggled with my own choices, maybe. Um, wasn't wasn't infidelity. I was just so darn immature and unmotivated through schooling that that really had set me back for a long time in my personal life. Um, and people knew that. And I was being encouraged by my wife, Barbara to write a book and other friends, you know, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I always would say, I'm not an author. No one wants to read it. And that was my answer. Then I had all these things for years. Like you said, jotting down notes and memos. Now was hmm. all that stuff for years had been spinning in my head. I, I had all these scripts. I used to go over on a daily basis. So when I started, there was no stopping me. Um, it poured out. 
and it took me about three months, three months to revise. I'd say about five months the whole project took. And um, it was intense. Um, great therapy. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it came out great, but I had great editors. I had great editors. Kat, um, Miss Peekson, um, Carol Peekson, related to Ernest Hemingway, actually. Um, a, a cousin. Um, I had elite authors, Jenny Chandler. You know, they all worked together with me. I had a marketing company, um, Ladone Brand, out in California. I have Renee McDaniel helping me in the PR in uh, Charleston. So it was a team effort. I mean, it was definitely a team effort. My wife was the technical support. I have no savvy in computers. And uh, thank God she was within an earshot when I would get stuck on something that I needed fixed. And uh, she'd come in and fix it. And I'd keep going again for a couple more hours and yell her name. So she would, it, it took a lot of people to put this together. And, and you know, I, yeah, I'm really proud of it. Um, they call me Pathfinder. That's not what makes me proud, the title. There's two parts of the title. The second part really makes me proud. Um, education, basketball, equality. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they all go together. And I've lived, um, I think we're, anyone who's into something special that helps motivate them, whether it be music, drama, um, acting, um, you know, for me, sports, yeah. basketball specifically, it, it was my lifeline. I mean, there is no question it's more than a game for me. And oh, I was lucky that I found a lot of mentors in the sport that guided me along the way and didn't quit on me. Um, so to answer your question, um, uh, it's, it's special. The book is really doing well. I mean, it's got a 4.9 rating on Amazon, and that was just a pre-sale. Um, I was nervous if people were going to like it. I, I mentioned that to my wife often. And they're, I love it. I think they're liking it almost as much as I am. Uh, that's so good. Well, Mark, Mark Epstein, uh, the name of the book is They Call Me Pathfinder. And I just want to uh, touch base going back with that a little bit with writing and having it be somewhat therapy, as you said, or cathartic. Was there anything that you wrote that you actually felt good that you removed it from the book or was there something that you wrote and even though it may have left you in a vulnerable position you decided to leave it in the book oh there's no question there is no question the answer to that yeah um i was nervous for years talking about my first marriage i never let anyone know about it I was, it was hidden deep inside of me. For 40 years, I had never seen her. Um, we hadn't seen each other. And I, to expose that was something that just I agonized over. And I didn't know if I was going to pull it out after I put it in. Hmm. And the longer it stayed in the book, the better I felt, the more. Often I had to review my book and came to that part. 
I became more and more at peace with it. And yeah, you know, it was just a, it was just both our, you know, we, we were both young out of college. That's no excuse. Um, people have successful marriages out of college. Um, neither of us were ready and we never, ever talked about it. We felt both felt badly. She felt the exact same way I did. I didn't know that until we had dinner um, last year. And that was after 41 years of not seeing each other. So we sat down, we apologized to each other. And then we had a lot of fun sharing memories. And um, it just does my heart so good to know that we can be friends in a mature way. And, you know, it's not something that I'm going to be ashamed to tell people anymore. And that was the most cathartic area of the book for me. Um, I'm totally at peace with it. That's wonderful. And I think uh, for you being vulnerable, it helps us to learn from what you've been through. Uh, I will say with this book, I'm so intrigued about the basketball part. I'm a big basketball fan. I think I used to be somewhat of a little bit of a well, that's player. That's part of the story. And, but, and that's uh, why I put it in. It's great. Talk to me a little bit. I mean, I see you with uh, Dr. J, Julia Serving. You have a big event tonight coming up with Rick Mahorn, Baby McDaniel, one of my favorite players ever. Uh, just wrap up what this basketball um, journeys brought you on and where it's taking you. I had friends that I coached when I was younger um, in a high-level semi-pro basketball um, league, summer league, that our team at our store, Charlie Surplus, we we had a really good run for about seven, eight years where our teams were tremendous. I mean, they really were. We had uh, 20 draft picks playing for us over a course of about 10, 12 summers. Wow. Um, and those relationships carried on and they didn't forget me. I think I was good to them when I was younger and they were looking for mentors and uh, they became my mentors and carried me places and journeys that um, especially Brian Hamill from a New England basketball legend. And uh, he coached at Southern Cal with Raveling. And he had his own program for 10 years at Northern Illinois. And he took me everywhere. He's really connected. And if he was doing something special, he would always include me in on it. And it took me places that, um, like Sydney, Australia, as a coach for the U.S. Maccabea team, um, we won a gold medal. Uh, That was through his relationship with an assistant coach at Northern Illinois, Brian Marks. working as an assistant counselor at camp director out in Las Vegas. Brian was the uh, camp director. I was his assistant, Bill Russell's adult fantasy camp, and uh, spent four or five days befriending Coach Russell and Julius and um, Charles Barkley. We had a lot of fun together, a lot of fun together. Um, Kareem, we had developed a pretty special relationship. Sam Jones, John, Jerry West, we had a lot of laughs. I put Jerry on the phone with my brother, Bobby, who um, was a huge Laker fan growing up, and that was his idol. So 
Um, Xavier McDaniel tonight, I've become very, very, very good friends. I, I consider him very close to me. Ricky Mahorn is going to bring tears to my eyes tonight when I introduce him. I go back when he was in high school, he, I was coaching him. Um, his brother was my one of my best friends I've ever had in my whole life, Owen. Um, he Owen has passed on. And um, so the relationships that you build in anything that you're passionate about, that you spend a lot of years involved with, are more important than the wins and losses. I got to be honest with you. I have trophies in my sports room and I walk in there and, I, you know, I've told very few people this. When I look at those trophies, I do not think about, you know, the games. Each one represents a different group of friends to me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm lucky we won. I think it brings you closer to the guys. But even if we didn't, um, I see like when I walk in to see three or four trophies, I see Owen the Horn. There's my man Owen. And it feels good to walk in there. When I see another one, I see John Murphy, who was the Yankee Conference Player of the Year, drafted by the Bulls, who passed away early. You know, when I see another one, Wayne Jones from Niagara, drafted by the Pistons. No, he passed away. Um, Freddie Laffin, a St. Michael's legend. Um, the greatest play they ever had in the history of their program. Played for me for five summers. Um, you know, I see him all over those trophies. Every now and then we'll talk, and he teases me. He says, how many of those trophies you've got that I'm responsible for? And I would say, four, Franny. You know, and, and we laugh. And, um, you know, so to have Ricky Mahorn, oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, you know, even, even to introduce him tonight, um, I'll, I feel like I'm introducing Owen, and, and that, you know, is pretty darn neat. I, I got to be honest with you because there's no way, um, Jeff, that Ricky would be doing this tonight if it wasn't out of my friendship with Owen. Mm -hmm. There's no, not even a remote chance that he's going to give up an evening from his family. Um, Xavier and then Andre McCarter from UCLA, John Wooden's point guard for his last national championship team. He's going to be speaking. My my guy. Jimmy Sweeney, who just finished a book, Old School Hoops. And um, and we have um, Ray Scott from the 70s, the player coach from the Pistons. Um, so you keep building these relationships, you know, and, and within the next time I talk to you, I'm going to be telling you they're all my best friends because that's just the way I am. You know, you're my best friend now. Well, that's you how know? I and uh, I was told once, uh, if God can use a piece of leather filled with air to build relationships and life skills, then let's use that piece of leather filled with air every day that we can. And I just think it opens so many doors to hear people's stories. And I just love the fact that uh, just about everyone I talk to, unless they're you know younger than five, has had some sort of adversity and story of resilience. And it's to be shared. And then this book, They Call Me Pathfinder, is huge. On that, I just ask with this event tonight and with uh, releasing a book in the middle of a pandemic 2020, when it seems like all the media attention is on this election that's about to come, how do you stay focused and how are you doing really sharing these relationships with others and promoting this book? 
<laughs> well, <laughs> my wife asked me that this morning. She says, how are you able to prepare all these things with this book? And, you know, I'm just wired differently. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, yeah, the pressure gets to me. The stress, you know, builds up. Yeah, you know, I, I'm high strung anyway. Um, you know, so I, I guess I have a strong desire, though. I, I tell you what it is, Jeff. I have a strong desire to improve race relations. Yeah. I, I take it personally. I take it. You could say, oh, hey, it's not your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's everyone's responsibility. Yeah. And so I'm going to disagree with anyone who says, you know, you shouldn't put it all on your shoulders. I think we all need to put it all on our shoulders. That's just the way I feel. You know, I, I don't feel I'm a martyr, but this is something that I think I become passionate about. And I know how to connect people. And I know how to certain things I know how to do and certain things I don't know how to do. But those things I'm pretty good at, guys. Yeah, it's pretty special. Um, how old were you when you realized that uh, you did not look like some of the others in your neighborhood and that was okay? Oh, no. I never felt it was okay, though. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. I was ashamed for a long time um, about my level of interest towards education and um, my need to be a basketball player as my only chance to be successful. Um, I never... I was never proud of that. I always felt inferior to everyone. Hmm. So um, I think that comes out in the book. And receiving a college education after being sent to a boys' trade school because of my lack of education or my lack of success in it um, was really hard on me. I was, I was kind of ashamed during those four years. And fortunately, I used basketball to dig myself out of a hole and give me a chance to go to college. And then once I got in there, I, I became a little hyper um, focused towards getting a degree at any cost. And when I got that, you know, I've, I've accomplished a few things in my life, like everybody else who turned 68. <laughs> I hope they have. Um, but, you know, I always look at my um, bachelor degree um, as the most um, accomplished moment of my life, including uh, my master's degree I got from the Citadel um, 20 years later. Um, my, my bachelor degree from Worcester State stays wow. very close to my heart. That That's number one, always will be. I went from, um, you know, I, I just didn't know um, what was going to happen. And uh, show you how immature I was here. I entered high school. I was four feet, 11, 125 pounds in ninth grade. And I thought I was going to play in the NBA. So you go tell me, you know, how smart you thought you think I was then. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, um, yeah. You know, I, I look back at that and I just shake my head. Um, so when I got down here to Charleston, and I want to share this with you because uh, I'm not sure you've seen the book or read it, 
But the most important part is my work with the students here and in the low country of South Carolina, which is now my home and my favorite home. Okay, I, I go on and on about Worcester growing up and I love the question you asked me, but no, you know, Charleston is home. Uh, I would, I'm not gonna leave. Uh, I never compared the two, they're different. I love where I am and uh, I'm thankful I grew up in Worcester, but I'm even more thankful that I've had the life I've had for the last 32 years. And it's because the low country has welcomed me and the Charleston County School District treated me like a favorite son. And I'm, I'm indebted to them. And I'm indebted to the people of the low country of South Carolina. I'll never uh, disrespect um, all the opportunities they gave me. Um, one thing the book shares, and uh, it's real important that I explain it to you, and that is that I developed a formula of success when I was working in the school systems here in the Charleston County School District, not systems, just singular. And it is about maturity, motivation equals success. And that's what I preach to my students and players as a coach and a counselor and as a teacher for the 27 year career I had. Um, you take maturity, someone's gonna, you have a chance for someone who's slow in getting started to develop their motivation. And then you're gonna, that's gonna trigger. And if they have a little taste of that success, they want more. Right. Especially if they've never had it before. They've waited so long for it. So I've always used this formula and I talk about it constantly in the book, especially after I leave Worcester. Maturity and motivation equals success. It's my M&M formula. If you have maturity and you have motivation, Hershey's is going to let you eat M&M candy. <laughs> and um, that's, you know, um, I would patent it. Um, and put a trademark on it, but I don't think M&M candies are going to let me. Um, but I, I've used a knockoff for their label, and I call it maturity, motivation, equals success. I believe in it because I'm a product of it. Yeah. No, that's so good. So good. And again, Mark Epstein makes some time. The name of the book is They Call Me Pathfinder. You said that you were not uh, tall as a freshman in high school, but uh, you look relatively good size sitting next to the great Bill Walsh, uh, Bill Russell. How tall did you end up and um, what joy was it for you to add a couple of inches from your freshman year? Uh, I, yeah, you know, I tell you what, between my sophomore and junior year, i in the summer, I grew 10 inches one summer. So I ended up graduating from high school and, and playing college basketball. I was about 6'1 and a half, 6'2. And uh, yeah, it, it felt great, especially when I started physically developing and my body caught up with my height. You know, Because I, I graduated, I played, I was 155 in college at 6'1 and a half, 6'2. That's pretty skinny. So yeah. once I started developing some strength um, towards the end of my college days, I was a late bloomer. I mean, yeah. I was just a flat out late bloomer. And once I started, um, unfortunately for me, but I'm, I'm glad I was able to play and compete against better players because um, I had tried so long and so hard to, um, 
I I got back at a few. <laughs> hey, uh, no, I didn't Mark, get back at a lot, but I got back at a few. I, Mark, I had some special moments that um, are settled in my brain where I, I had some big scoring. I could score a little bit. And I, um, I could run and jump a little bit. I had fun playing. It's a blast. The game is a blast. Now, what did it take to coach some of these elite athletes? Maybe some of the players that were better than you when you yeah. were there. Yeah. Uh, why Why did they listen to you? Yeah, it's a great question. Number one, um, they listened to me because I had confidence in what I was talking about. Hmm. I, I never looked at a Owen Mahorn or Rick Mahorn and went, oh, oh my God. You know, no, I, you know, the game starts and you want to win. Hey, you know, I mean, Come on now, if if you're not going to help us, um, then I got to put someone else in. I mean, th this is what you know. It's um, winning is survival, right? And if they know you're driven as much as they are, you know they they don't care. They don't care. Let's go at. Let's just go get it. Um, so there's no time to pause. And maybe, I, but I did. Many times after games, I'd be walking for a beer with one of my players, and I would say to myself, holy mackerel, you know, how did I ever get a chance to coach this guy? Um, but during the game, never, never, never. Yep. And they knew I was going to speak up if I wasn't happy um, with the album. <laughs> so I've heard, I've heard that hard work, work ethic is a great separator with those that have talent and those that become more successful. Can you just dig into that a little bit more? It seems as though everybody practices or works hard, but the ones that set themselves apart, they just have something different about them. Can you explain that? Well, I know what's triggered me and I know, I know what, I know how I'm wired. I shut off all outside noise. Hmm. I've always been able to. I get into my own cocoon. I get focused and locked in. And before a game or before an event, I don't talk. I get emotional. I get focused. I, it takes me a little while to settle back down after something that's important to me that I've worked hard to achieve. And um, usually I don't like talking about it until the day after. And I don't like talking about it the day of. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, it's been a living in a bubble and I keep everybody as much as I can out from interfering with what I want to accomplish at that particular moment. That's what works for me. Well, Mark, that's really good. And again, Mark Epstein, the author of They Call Me Pathfinder, make some time. We have a couple questions and then we'll get you out. And uh, when I- Oh, just... I'm enjoying this, man. This well, is awesome, Jeff. I feel <laughs> like you're the, you're a bigger legend to me than you're, you're a bigger <laughs> no. legend than I'll meet all day today. I doubt it. Uh, you have some legends uh, coming up this evening. I just want to hear your story. Um, and I ask because I think it's so important that people understand maturity sometimes can't be learned overnight. It takes time to learn and time is, well, not for uh, impatient people. If you could have somebody 19, 20 years old miss some of the uh, adversity you went through 
what would you tell them um, to listen to about your life, your story? Study. Hmm. Study. Every night you have a chance and you have a library near you, hit the library, man. When I found out, when, when I had access to a library, um, that was one of my most proud moments. We didn't have one in high school. I mean, I got to college and I, I lived near the college I went to and I would run over there every night. And sometimes even if I didn't have homework or I wasn't studying, I just liked sitting in there. Um, and I felt I was being surrounded by knowledge and that was inspiring to me. Um, I loved, I, yeah, you know, it's like Bill Russell said to, uh, Dr. J the first time they met, um, Bill Russell was coach, was a player coach for the yeah. Celtics. He had already won eight or nine championships, 10 championships. Julius was a freshman at UMass in Amherst. And he had heard about this kid coming down from New York, up, up from New York to play, um, you know, and about his potential. Although he hadn't played the game yet, he had heard some stories from friends and he wanted to meet him. So he brought him into the locker room before a game on a Friday night at the Boston Garden. Julius was a freshman at UMass. And Julius told me that he was real nervous because he didn't know what he was, 18 year old kid. Yeah. You know, and here's this guy. Bill Russell, for an 18-year-old kid, he's going to have a one-on-one -on -one before a game with him in the locker room. So he pulls up a chair, and, and Julius saying, I'm really scared. I didn't know what he was going to ask me. So he sits down, and he said, so what's the most important um, building on your campus? And he says, it's the field house where I practice. He gives him a piece of paper and writes the name of a book on it. And he says, here, go to the library, do a book report, come back in two weeks and we'll, we'll review it together. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I guarantee you that would be, knowing Julius a little bit, you know, I mean, I'd love to say he's my best friend and my wife would laugh um, <laughs> because she says, everybody's my best friend. But, if Julius were to meet somebody like, you know, a, a young, and that that would be his advice. Yeah. yeah. He, he would turn it around. He would pass it on. There's no question in my mind. And that's what I would I would tell students is that try to try to move up your maturity level so you understand how special it is to walk into a library and hold a book. Because the book changed my life. Um, even though I didn't realize it at the time, black like me, I wanted to move south and paint myself black and experience segregation. And even though I, I came down here with a broken heart and as a broken man, um, I never forgot that feeling I had from reading that book um, in fifth grade. And um, that's probably the only mature, motivated thing I've ever done in my entire life until I turned 21. Um, or I, I shouldn't say that until I was 19 as a freshman in college. But uh, that Black Like Me story uh, triggered something inside of me that inspired me to uh, make things better in the education system of South Carolina so it's more racially equal throughout the entire state through uh, my work 
in legislation after I retired from the school system. I never stopped. Yeah, so good. And congratulations on that. It's wonderful. Mark Epstein, making some time. The name of the book is They Call Me Pathfinder. Hopefully, this book will not only be in libraries, but it will be in locker rooms everywhere. But why should people buy a copy of this book to pass out for uh, holidays or just to give to students as they look for winter sports seasons or just to read for themselves, to educate themselves and understand the purpose of uh, maturity and motivation? Oh, definitely. Um because when you see someone who's young and, and you think that they'll never amount to anything, the first thing you think of is, oh, my God, what kind of future is that person going to have? You just never know when that maturity is going to trigger that motivation. And they're going to explode in front of you, regardless of what their age is. And you just have to be patient and wait for it to happen. Um, I think this is the perfect book for an entire family from about middle school on all the way to adulthood. We all Everyone's got a story. Everyone can't go through life without taking a hit. Number one. I, I know that. You know, my wife, you, Jeff, you know, everyone's going to take a hit. You know, it's how you recover. Um, it, and you can't feel sorry for yourself. If you do, you'll never recover. Um, but the one thing that I want people to take out of this is not my, yeah, the basketball part is entertaining with this legends of the game who I developed relationships with and shared stories. That, that's fun stuff, no yeah. question. It makes the book fun. Um, for a young person reading it who's struggling and a parent or an educator who are working with them, they're gonna find solutions and value in reading some of the different situations I experienced as a counselor, not as a young person, uh, in helping these students overcome their, um, whatever it is they're trying to come, overcome. And, uh, you know, the obstacles in their way is what I'm trying to say. So, it, it's it's a, it's a worthwhile reading. It's fun, and it's got a 4.9 um, review rating on Amazon. Can I squeeze that in one more time? <laughs> yeah, keep, uh, keep that up and post that. But, um, Mark, thank you so much for making the time. Certainly a pleasure and a privilege for me to uh, speak with you, to get to know you, to share your book. They call me Pathfinder. And uh, good luck with the event tonight. Uh, Xavier McDaniel, man, that guy, I used to love watching him. I just thought... The what bald, an animal. bald head, big muscles, and uh, just how he attacked the rim, whether it was for a dunk or for a rebound, he was a lot of fun to watch. He so. is such a gentleman, <laughs> such a gentle soul off the court. People would be shocked. He is the complete opposite of how he played. That was his job. Yeah. He was able to turn it on and off. He is not at all. And Ricky Mahorn's the same way. You know, I mean, as far as a bully and a tough guy and a bruiser, nah, I mean, the complete opposite. Um, so, but one last thing I want to leave you with. Today, I sent out this morning at 11.22, um, just a minute or two before we got on the air, um, a national press release that went out to 12,000 outlets all wow. over America for this book. I could only do it once. It was pricey. And uh you know, I want it to be a, a national story, if it can be, you know, yeah. 
and move it away from just being only two regions of the country, New England or the Northeast and uh, and the South Carolina low country area. Yeah, well, congratulations on that. We'll do everything we can to help promote and share, and I'll make sure I get a copy of the book. Hopefully now I can get an autograph copy that we've yeah. uh, spoken Yeah, to. well, when we're through with this, I want, I, please, Jeff, um, the, the Backfire, the, the Backfire... Uh, backfire podcast right there. The backfire podcast was really fun for me. And as a thank you, I want to send you an autograph copy. So when we hang up... Just uh, give me your address and I'll put one in the mail to you. Oh, well, thank you so much. Again, that's Mark Epstein. Uh, make it some time. The name of the book is They Call Me Pathfinder. You can find that on Amazon 4.9 rating. So keep that rating high. Let's push it even higher. But uh, thank you again for joining. As uh, My name is Jeff Fuller, uh, host of Jay Fuller Interviews on YouTube. The Facebook group, Instagram, and Twitter, and the Backfire Podcast on all the podcast locations, whether it's Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or iTunes. We thank you so much. And remember, someone's story will make your story better. So listen and learn from them. Unlearn what you do not know and relearn what you know is right. With that, we're out. Thanks so much.